Hello everyone. It's been a while since we've had one of these to talk about, but for the first time in well over two months, Sale fell to a Premiership rival at the weekend, this time 20 points to 19 down at Sandy Park in the first of two huge clashes in little over a fortnight with Exeter Chiefs. My name is Lewis. Welcome back inside the Shark Tank. And joining me to discuss round one of, of Sharks Chiefs and my, my co-hosts, Alex and James. Alex, how are you? Not too bad, thanks, mate. Recovered from uh, a few disappointing moments in that Chiefs game to probably see the light um, going into next week. So, yeah, looking forward to a first semi-final in 15 years. How are you? Very well, thank you. You know, I think I've kind of forgotten about the fact that it's 15 years since we last played knockout rugby at the end of the season. So even though there's some ill omens on the horizon following this weekend, you know, it's still a fantastic event and occasion and a mark of how far the club has come. So something to be very excited about this week. And James, are you sharing in my optimism or? Um, not a hundred percent certain about that, but um, I didn't. Ha- I didn't get to watch the game live because I was too busy uh, sinking beers at Edgebaston. Uh, so I already knew the score when I watched like the extended highlights, which I think probably affected things quite significantly and probably protected my mental health significantly as well. Fair enough. So I mean, we, this is going to obviously be a very sale and an extra heavy podcast and I kind of want to split this you know straight down the middle um to to kick things off with round one just because it was very much a game of of two halves um so Alex I I want to start with yourself and I kind of want you to take what went so well for sale that they were 19-3 up midway through the second half and then we can come on to James who can who can hit us with the what went wrong for sale to ultimately lose 20 points to 19. Well, we were absolutely straight out of the blocks, really fast start. I mean, you think back to a couple of years ago when we used to take about 30 minutes to warm up into a game. This was just the complete opposite. The the cross kick from AJ clearly identified Exeter's defence as being narrow, having Sam James out there. Um, you know, just an unbelievable start. And I think what went so right in that first 50 minutes is that we won every single collision. And the momentum was with us. And, you know, whether it was in attack or defence, we were going forward constantly. And then that gave AJ front football and he was playing out of his skin. And, you know, he was putting in kicks, he was putting in passes, everything, you know, he touched turned to gold virtually in that, especially that first half, but even after half time. And I think that was the key. And because we had Carl Dixon refereeing, a man who doesn't referee infringements as much as he just referees momentum. Because we had the momentum, we were getting all the penalties. The only area of real concern was the scrum, which we were getting beasted in. But actually, we, we still won, I think, every scrum on our own ball. Um, so we kind of that kept ourselves in the game. We didn't make mistakes. You know, We weren't knocking on, which meant we weren't having scrums. We weren't giving away silly penalties. So it was just all going so, so well. And I think there were some in individually huge performances. I think both Curries were out of this world good. Um, I think Cobus Visa did a lot of good things. I mean, Faf was playing really, really well as well, you know, managing the game. But interestingly for Faf, letting AJ shine. And, you know, you look at where our tries came from in that first half. They came out wide and it was moving the ball away from the point of contact because of all the hard work we'd done. James 
has said it so many times, you earn the right to go wide. And that's exactly what we did. We hit them hard in the midfield. We came tighter to deal with those carries. And then we exploited the space on the outside. So I think that was that was absolutely superb. And and then, you know, actually go down to um, 14 men with the Sam Skinner red card. And that kind of signaled the sea change. And it came back to the only really not so good period for us was when X2 initially went down to 14 men with the debut as yellow at the end of the first half. And they looked much better with 14. Don't know why. I don't know whether it was our play or theirs. But um, I think the one thing we'll be disappointed about from that first 50 minutes is that we probably could have put another two or three tries on them. So that is um, a concern and probably would have won us the game. And then, yeah, from from the red card, we just got hit back in every contact, I think. Um, and And... The momentum turned and the, the referee turned with the momentum and, and that's the game of rugby. And then very good extra side started playing to 100% and put us to the sword. Yeah, I don't think we... I don't think Exeter expected the ferocity that we brought, which says something because that's kind of the way we've been playing in the last few weeks. But they, they were caught short on that. I don't think they've played, certainly in the Premiership, uh, against size that can bring that level of physicality. Um, and actually, it was just weird, as you say, when they went down to 14 men. And a bit like we've done, you know, they kind of just up a level of intensity, which they know is not uh, sustainable for a whole match. Uh, Saracens have always done it really well as well, where it's just, you know, they all start slapping each other on the back and all that kind of things, and they just got a lift from it. And because it was close enough to the end of the match, and then they got some momentum as well, they started to believe and uh, a bit like, you know, we can't really talk. I mean, we played with 13 men a lot this year. Um, and teams have played against us poorly when we've brought that level of ferocity, you know, the aggressive defence, the way that we've carried, the way we've got around the corner. Um, and, you know, the, the other teams really, all they have to do is just keep possession. And I think that's what we kind of lacked. We, last, we lacked uh, possession and composure in that period. Uh, one more score and, you know, Exeter's heads would have gone because they know the game wouldn't have been winnable. Um, and I think that um, we got the most punchy sort of post-match interview from Sanderson in his time at the club where he said that we bottled it. You know, we, you know that is, <laughs> that's, not, that's not messing around. That's, that's pretty tough words. Um, I don't think we bottled it. That suggests kind of breaking under the pressure. I think it was just, you know, big match game that far ahead. A home semi-final was actually there for the taking. In fact, it was, it was. If you were a betting man, that's that was the safe bet, wasn't it? At that point, when when they got the red card, but yeah, they let they raised their level of intensity. And if anything, we were shocked by that, and probably a bit tired as well. I think we 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 expended a lot of emotion and energy. Now the question back to you, Lewis. I know we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves looking at next week. You know, I know you're great at bringing the conversation back. But the question I'd like to return to at some point is that fear we had when we were talking about selection for this week and coming up just short and then having to go again next week against the same people. I, I'm I'm worried. Now, Alex Sanderson says that we're going to use it. We're going to bottle it up and that's going to be our motivation for next week. Bloody hell. If he does that, then England need to sack Eddie Jones and get this guy in straight away because he's a genius. Yeah, I mean, we, we can come on to selection in a little bit. We need to give this game a bit of room to breathe. But 
I do sit here feeling a little bit smug about my idea to just send the kids because ultimately the uh, the result might have been the same and we, we can come at it a slightly different way next week. But anyway, that's a different conversation. Um, just quickly on to three-word reviews then because there's there's some key themes here that I, that I want to touch upon and, and use this as a springboard for. So Matt Sansbury, Red helped Exeter. Spoken about that one already. Mark Cole, credit to Exeter. Can't overlook that. They were so good, uh, especially in that second half of the second half. Uh, John C, AJ, so good. Nicholas White, caught chasing bonus point. Something I want to come back to. Uh, Alex Everington, devastated for AJ. Jamie, gutted for AJ. Peter Tyler, so unlucky McGinty. There's obviously this this big kind of shadow hanging over the uh, the, the game, and that's the injuries to AJ McGinty and Akka van der Merwe, which we'll, we'll touch upon. A little bit later, as the kind of result of going so hard in this in this first game. But James, a, a little, little question for you. You know, at nineteen three up, Seller in a really strong position. We obviously came into this game knowing we had to win with a try bonus point. We couldn't let to get anything to get that that BP um, if we're going to finish second. Was there anything from this performance where you thought that that you know Sell were caught out having to play for four tries so early on? Or are you of the opinion that really the, the issue wasn't that we were having to try and score four tries as quickly as possible? It was just a case of we, we couldn't make our possession and territory pay when the Chiefs were down to 14, regardless of whether that's a try or a penalty or momentum. Well, the answer to your question is we got the quick tries and therefore we put ourselves in the position to do it. I think it would have been very different if if we'd just gone there and we would got the result that we normally get against Exeter um and just been physically beaten uh out you know just struggling for possession etc the, the thing is that we got the quick try so really you know what one more score from 193 and it's it's job done uh, it really would have been job done I think I think we would have won by more than seven points and you've got the bonus point in the bag so I, I, it's difficult to say. I think, as you said, there's a bit of credit to Exeter, the way that they, they're just a big match team, basically. And, and they, I've seen them come from behind quite a few times. That It really doesn't bother them. That we, Everyone always thinks, oh, it's Bristol or Quinns that can score from anywhere or whatever. The difference with that is, is I just don't think that they've got the discipline to, to come back from that far behind Bristol and Quinns. Exeter, they just know they'll keep you in the process. If you do it for 80 minutes... You know, if you beat us, fair enough. You know, over a whole eighty, if, if they, the, the, you hear Baxter when he gets interviewed, it's like, oh, well, we're doing our thing, we're doing our processes, we just need to keep doing our job. And if they do that for eighty minutes, they'll they'll be there or thereabouts for a win, even against a side that really turns up. So we really turned up. The lads can be really pleased. It was quite an attritional game, you know, on an injury front as well, which I think is a bit of a worry. And I think that that did disrupt things. I mean, losing Neil early on probably didn't affect, um, you know, the impact of, you know, with Ben Curry playing so well off the bench, but the impact in the last 20, you know, you would have been bringing Ben Curry on at 50 minutes, wouldn't you, at 45, 50 minutes, and that would have just been a nightmare for Exeter. But actually, he's had to play a whole game, so you didn't get that back row substitution, so that would have caught us up. And then clearly, you know, McGinty, you know, that's, that's a major worry. I'm glad that the injury point has kind of come up organically because I think this is kind of where I want to move the conversation to 
with Alex, which is we obviously, you know, there's this moment in the second half where the momentum starts to shift and you can you can feel it, you can see it, you can hear it. You know, Exeter, they score a try. We kick out on the full, they score another try. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, they're two points down the kick. You know, the momentum is is kind of all in all in their favour and they kind of rode that wave in the last sort of 20, 25 minutes to win. But what, what I want your thoughts on, Alex, because it's so important ahead of next week, is... Do you think that kind of turning point is the fact that, you know, we have the ball in there 22 when they're down a man and we don't score? Or do you think it happens earlier in the game when we lose Van der Merwe to injury, we lose Cameron Neal to injury, and actually in the second half, we don't have anyone available to kind of come on whilst the Chiefs have all the momentum to slow the game down and turn it back in our favour with some of those impactful substitutions? Yeah, well, I think we almost... We got the boost in the first half from Ben Curry being on because, you know, his performance and especially what he can do at the breakdown gave us a massive advantage in that first half. And I don't think we'd have played as well with Neil on the field. I, I absolutely I think Cam Neal is one of the best players in the league. But I just think having two Currys on gave us such dominance at the breakdown that Exeter couldn't go anywhere and didn't have any ball. Um, but then obviously we paid for that in the second half. And I, I think you're right. We didn't have the chance to bring on those impactful subs as we would have liked. Um, I don't think losing Acker was the kind of incredibly damaging thing that perhaps it could have been because of the strength of Curtis Langdon. And I don't think it's as much of a worry because of the strength of Ewan Ashman coming in behind him. But at the same time, I think it is that, that fatigue on a really hot day when you've gone so hard in the first half. It's really hard to keep that level up for the whole game. And I think you see it time and time again in rugby that if a team who is, and let's be perfectly honest, extra are a better side than us overall. And we outperformed them massively in the first half. And our problem was that we did so to a point where in you know the last 20, we just didn't have the energy. And I think that is understandable and, and will give us some lessons for next week and, and future seasons. But it's hard to know what we could have done differently. I think... Unless you say this team needs another three semi-finals or a semi-final and a final, it needs that experience. And the only way to get it is playing games like this. And you just have to hope that there's a difference between you know what we did in 2005-2006 when we got to a semi-final and won the league and then burnt out, and what we're doing now, which is hopefully developing a squad that's got that experience. So, you know, I'm, I'm quite... Um, I'm taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture on this one. But I think in the context of that game, if you were looking at it, you'd go, yes, we could have won that game had we not had the injuries and had we kept our heads a bit more. But the only way we'll get to that level is by making those mistakes, I think, isn't it? And and that's probably something we're going to have to accept. And, and you know, I, again, I come back to where were we six months ago when Dimes left. So it's I think the, the real shame for me is AJ. I can live with Acker and I can live with Neil because it's a position of strength. But AJ is by far and away our best player in the form of his life and has had a torrid time with injuries. And I just felt really, really gutted for him um, on Saturday. I think that was the main overriding emotion, just genuinely gutted for someone who deserves to be playing in semi-finals and finals. 
Absolutely. So, I mean, we, we said right from the top, we're going to have to spend so much of this pod looking back at the game that's just been and looking forward to the next game against Exeter. And this is probably a good place to pivot to that because we all knew going into last weekend's game that winning with a try bonus point and preventing Exeter from getting anything out of the game was a long shot. If we'd done it, we would have finished second, we would have got home semi-final, but we all knew it was going to be a long shot. So the fact that we've lost this game, I don't think any of us sat here or listening to this podcast are too concerned about losing away at Sandy Park. The really concerning thing is the injuries we've sustained. And I think you, you summed it up very well there, Alex, that you can live with Van der Merwe because Curtis Landon has been in such great form. You can, And Ewan Ashman is such an enticing prospect. You can live with Cameron Neal because we've got quite a strong set of back rowers. But James, there's now a big question about who, who is our starting fly half going into next weekend's playoff game uh, against Exeter. It's almost certainly going to be Rob Dupria starting uh, with Kieran Wilkinson on the bench. But from your perspective, how how significant is that loss of AJ McGinty to injury? And, and is that the, the, the most important takeaway we should be taking from last weekend's game? Yeah, it's pretty major just because the form he's in. I mean, he's the best fly-off in the league in the last few weeks, last couple of months, I'd say. And he's had a really solid season. Uh, he's mostly been first choice. has been in and out here and there. But it's you know it's really refreshed him. And every time he's come, been picked back in, he's he's nailed the position straight back down again. What I would say is, though, is that Rob Dupria has been playing really well in the last eight weeks as well. But that's mostly been without the added pressure of kicking a goal. Um, in tight games right from the start. So, you know, Rob Dupree will turn up. He'll be physical. Um, we know that from an attacking point of view, he he uh, he has some really nice ways about the way he plays. Um, he's clearly a leader in the squad. I think people look to him. He's a bright guy. He speaks well. Um, but <laughs> we just have to pray he hits his first kick at goal, basically. Um, and that's not ideal in knockout rugby. Clearly, Kieran Wilkes off the bench. I actually don't mind that because it's a completely unknown quantity. Rob Dupree goes down in the second minute. Someone's got the opportunity to be a hero. Like, you know, if you, 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 so I, I don't think that that's the end of the world, um, to be perfectly honest. I think what it does do, though, is it kind of reduces the flexibility of the team because, you know, with Rob Dupree coming off the bench, he plays a number of positions as a, just an intelligent ball player. Kieran Wilkinson is unproven. Uh, you wouldn't really want to be playing him outside of 10. Uh, and also, he's not a proven goal kicker either, even during the age groups. So uh, that's a worry, the kicking at goal thing. Uh, I agree with you guys on Neild and, and Acker, though. I think we will lose Acker's dynamism, um, which on the hard pitches is, is a bit of a loss. But you know, Langdon and Ashman, again, great opportunity to put a marker down. Tommy Taylor coming home next year. So really important that those guys really put in some good performances. Um, but yeah, Rob Dupree, a definite out and out. Sam James hasn't played at 10 all year. Um, so he would be the only other option, wouldn't he? So it's Rob. Alex, any chance that this is almost a bit of a blessing in disguise for sale? Because we spoke last week about what happens if you throw your first team at the Chiefs and, and you, you don't win. And, and ultimately that is what happened uh, on, on Saturday, Sale's first team and Exeter's first team went toe-to-toe went -to -toe and when Sale came up short. Obviously, when you're making such a significant change in your player personnel 
um, at such an important position like ten, it completely changes how the how the team will play next weekend versus last weekend. Is there any chance because that first team has gone down to Sandy Park and lost that the fact that we're rotating Langdon in at two, uh, you know, Neil won't play it in the back row, and then obviously Rob Dupree at ten. You know, is there any chance that this actually ends up, you know, being a benefit to Sale, or is it still a, a, a net negative? No, I think it's a net negative for me. Um, I think there's certainly benefits to it, but I just think the loss of someone on that much form and, and the goal kicking especially is is massive, and it, it sort of forces you into taking on extra at their own game, which is going for driving lineouts rather than penalties, and and it you know it, it takes you away from that that kind of benefit of just being able to kick the penalties and kick yourself out of out of sight. So, no, I think it's certainly a net loss, but I don't think it's the end of the world. I mean, personally, I'm absolutely gutted, as I've said, but I don't think it means that we won't win, we can't win the semi-final. Um, and, you know, as James rightly said, Rob Dupree has been playing really, really well recently and has done it multiple times for us, you know, and, and has beaten, Rob Dupree helps us beat Sarries. You know, the, the guy is a really good player. Um, and this is the pressure, isn't it? This is the chance to step up. And, and what I will say is that, you know, the one thing Rob Dupree has shown us across the entire time he's been with Sale is a massive amount of mental fortitude to come back from some pretty poor performances, both within games and, you know, um, within halves. So. If there's one guy I would go, well, AJ's down and we need someone to step up under the pressure, he's got that. Um, and it just, as you say, it makes it interesting and it completely changes our dynamic of how we play. Um, and we've always been a better attacking side with Rob Dupree and we were a pretty good attacking side with AJ last week. So there is hope yet, I think. That's my main takeaway. Um It'd be interesting to see whether they keep Cliff on the bench or bring in Rafi. I think that will be a big, a big call. The experience of Will Cliff versus kind of the, the potential of Rafi um, is, is you, a massive one. What do you anticipate them doing then, Alex? Quirk or Cliff? I think Quirk. I think Quirk and Dupree have played together a lot more recently, haven't they? Um, both been coming off the bench. So I, I but, but then I would go Quirk every day of the week. So. I it's... I think the original plan would would have been Quirk, but I just wonder whether they'll rethink if Wilkinson's on the bench. Uh, but I just think you know you want to die wondering, you know, if Wilkinson's going to be on the bench anyway. I mean, if if he has to come on, if he actually has to come on, because I think they'll try and get Rob Dupre playing eighty minutes, won't they? So if Kieran Wilkinson has to come on, then I mean, it's you know if he's still in the game. Don't die wondering. Get Quirk on as well. I mean, I think it it say a lot for our future if Quirk and Wilkinson as the nine and ten is what leads us to a first playoff win in in fifteen years. Maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves, but that'd be a hell of a statement <laughs> in the future, wouldn't it? <laughs> you want to talk about how well the Sale Academy is doing? There, there you go. Um, right. Well, we're already like navigating into it. Um, so let's talk next week and, and the selection. Um, that that we we're obviously going to have to make both both uh, enforced changes and, and uh, selection changes. Um, 
Let's start with Exeter though, just briefly, because obviously Sam Skinner is red carded uh, and, and won't be available, um, barring something uh, unforeseen as part of the uh, the sighting commission uh, this week. Uh, Dave Ewers also been cited as well. I saw um, for his um, yellow card um, on on Simon Hamsley, uh, shoulder to the head. Um, just just briefly on that, Alex, you've got lots of thoughts about Carl Dixon. Uh, did you think that was a red card on the on Saturday? There was a very good bit someone tweeted. It might have been South Sharks fans on Twitter from the rugby paper, which basically said it was a good job Hammersley spun because it meant that Ewers absolutely smacked him in his face rather than the back of his head. That was the only difference between the two outcomes. And to be honest, I could understand with both of them the decision they came to, actually. And I don't think it was... It's not a massive area of gripe for me. But um, I think the Ewers won... I could certainly see the mitigation, although I think it is a fair point that if the mitigation hadn't happened, um, it would have still been the same outcome. So do you take it into account in that in that kind of sense? Um, the Sam Skinner one I actually thought was probably a little harsh to be a red, but under the framework, it's a red. So it's, it's one of those where I'm sort of like holistically... It feels like a yellow card. It didn't feel malicious. It felt, you know, he's, he's tackling Fafta Clerk. He was a tiny, tiny man. Um, there is a little bit of um, sympathy there from me, but, you know, he's, he's made direct contact to the head and, and you've just got to... It's the way the game is, so I, I, I can't argue with that. I think there were other calls in the game, like when Joe Simmons went onto his arms and won a turnover, that were more frustrating to me than, than those. But... Yeah, I can understand the decision they got to, and I think it was pretty well thought out and explained. So uh, I don't have major gripes with with either of those, but I can understand why people think that there's a little bit of a lack of consistency between the two. Absolutely. So it sounds like Exeter are going to be probably without debuters and Sam Skinner for, for this weekend's game. Not that that changes much from an Exeter point of view. They, they put out basically their first-choice team, um, on on Saturday, a couple of players will rotate in for them, but you know the core of the squad is kind of still the same. So, so James, you know, looking at it from a sale perspective, then we know obviously what extra all about. We've literally just seen it. We know roughly who's going to be playing for them, we, and we know ultimately who sale are going to be without now. So, you know, from from your side, are there any are there any selection dilemmas that Alex Anderson needs to make, or? Do you think it's simply a case of the same team again, just with those injury-enforced changes? Well, I think he needs to think about a set piece, but I don't think Bevan Rod's the answer for a knockout. Um, you know, I didn't think you know that's going to change something significantly. I think Ross Harrison will go again. Uh, obviously, Langdon comes in at two, and that that you know for for an injured Acker, so that's fine. But I think there's a decision on who stays, and who's been brilliant the last eight weeks. But I think I think Griff John. Uh, I, I think you need to maybe go something a bit slightly different um, to start the game in the front row to show that there's a different psychology going on there. And for the players starting, they've got the opportunity to show the difference. Um, the other thing is Josh Beaumont will come back in for me. I think he will start this game. Uh, but it's just who he starts with. Uh, because I think Kobe's visa has been brilliant for us. But I think it's basically, it's, you've got to make a decision between visa or Ben Curry. And depending on who you decide on those two is where Jean-Luc will play. Because if, if Visa is picked at five, then Jean-Luc will play at six. 
uh, and then if if uh, if um, Ben Curry is at seven, Tom Curry at six, then Jean Luc will play at five. So I think that's the big call: is Visa or Ben Curry? Um, and I just don't know where I stand on it. I think part of me thinks Jean Luc at five for the extra mobility. And have Visa as your second row sub on the bench, but then you know, then who's on the bench for us in the back row? Because we're we're down a few people. We're not going to bring Dugdale in, are we? So that's that. That is a dilemma. And then in the backs as well is you know is Rohan going to come back in? I, I think that's unlikely. Either, but I'd imagine Marlon Yard comes back in for Reed. Um, so I think it'll be two Lange James again in the centre. Uh, with 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 Byron and uh, and it'll be Hammersley, won't it, at fullback? So I I think that's your issue, isn't it? So there you go, Alex, easy question to answer: Kobe's visa or Ben Curry? Kobe's visa and Ben Curry off the bench, I think, for the balance. Um, harsh on Ben Curry to be fair, because he was superb. But actually, no, Ben Curry. I, I'm sorry, I've struggled. Big time there, Ben Curry. I think Beast has given away a couple of silly penalties, and I think Curry gives us such a strength at the breakdown of when he's alongside Tom that Exeter just can't handle it. They, their breakdown work is poor at the moment, and I think we should exploit that area of weakness. Northampton did it, and, and we should do the same. So I've switched. That's that's going to where I stand on it a little bit as well, which is um, Exeter are so good at that pick and go game, so good at fronting up. Um, and, and the kind of the way we succeeded in the first half last week was that point of dif- differentiation, doing something a little bit in the background. And obviously, as well, you know, the Curries aren't just jackals. You know, they're absolutely monsters in the, in the uh, in the sort of carrying and tackling game as well. So, I, I think I would probably err towards having the, the Curry Curry Dupria trio in the, in back in the back row, and then you've got Cobus Visa to come off the bench as a real impact player. Um, I think the only other thing to kind of mention. I agree with James that the backline is going to be basically the same. Uh, AJ for Rob Dupria uh, aside, um, Van Rensburg missed this weekend's game because um, he was uh, staying back in Manchester for the birth of his first child. Um, so in theory, he should be available. And I uh, for this week's game, and I anticipate he'll be the twenty-third man over Sam Hill. But I agree that it's probably going to be Tuilangi and Sam James in the in the centres. Um, but you know, just reeling off some of those names, like it, you know, it's so exciting, you know, for a for, you know for a first playoff game, test test internationals, both in the northern and hem- southern hemisphere. Um, you know, you've got some real impact players coming off the bench, and you've also got some of our most talented academy prospects coming off the bench um, as well in in Quirk and Wilkinson. So it's just going to be an absolutely you know phenomenal game, and obviously a, a real spectacle for. Uh, for sale fans who've been, you know, without playoff rugby for 15 years now. I think there is an outstanding question, though, because I agree with you. I think Reed comes out, Yard comes in, and then, but Rohan takes the 23rd slot, so Reed drops out of 23. Which is lucky, he's played well every time he's played for sale um, it, it, since the turn of the year. But I think who takes the 19 and 20 slots? So when I look at the bench, I've got Ashman, Rod, and who stays in as the backup front row, which just picks itself. Uh, Quirk, Wilkerson, and Rohan which probably picks itself. And then you've got 19 and 20. So we'll have Visa will be in one of those positions, but that means you either need a backup second row or a backup back row. 
And I'm just trying to think about our squad. No JP Dupree because he's banned. That's come back to haunt us a little bit when we didn't think it would. Um, so it's Dugdale or Postlethwaite, isn't it? Jono Ross not available? Oh, Jono! Yes! <laughs> Club captain? I'll tell you what, he's come back at just the right time, hasn't he? He has been in Dugdale for like four weeks, so it is easy to forget. Yeah, I don't think you can start him, can you? Because, you know... He'll probably get sent off, but bring him off the bench. He'll be well up for that. There you go. Copus Vita and Jonah Ross in, in the 1920 slot. That's that's quite the bench. Yeah, it is quite the bench. There is a weakness. Sanderson remembers, back. given we forgot. Do you think we should just tweet them and make sure they know? What's that? So they hope Sanderson remembers that he's got Jono <laughs> Ross at his... Uh, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure he call. does. I'm sure he does. But no, no, that's a really, really good shout, that, um, Lewis. That's made me feel a lot better. Not because, you know, uh, Postlethwaite and Dugdale don't deserve their chance, but they just haven't had much game time recently. But that would be my... If this was a normal Premiership game, I'd be looking forward to seeing them. But we've not really seen Dugdale since Christmas. Um, and we haven't seen Postlethwaite since about February. Yeah. Plus, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a knockout game. You, you know, it's a, it's a game for, for big players. Um, and ultimately... Being able to roll out, you know, your, your club captain off the bench, it makes makes a lot of sense. If there's going to be one player who's more fired up for knockout rugby than you know the rest of the self fan base, it's going to be John Ross. So that that you know it, it does. You know, you look at the squads; it's going to be an absolutely sort of heavyweight clash. And, and you know, if, if last weekend was anything to go on, it's going to be must watch TV as as will Bristol Quinns and the other semi finals. So let's do some predictions then. First playoff. In 15 years, James, how do sale fare? I just got to go with the heart rather than the head on this prediction, I'm afraid. I just don't feel like I've got a choice. I know what my head's leading me towards, but I'm just going to refuse it. And I'm just going to say, sale are going to win. And it's going to be X to 19, sale 20. Okay, Alex, uh, heart or head? Heart as well. And... I think sale 22, extra 18. I don't think it's going to be an enjoyable watch, but yeah, the heart says it's um, the heart says we've got enough and we showed enough to to really get one over on them. And God, I hope we win, but just enjoy being there. That's the main thing. 100%. Well, I've got to go heart overhead as well. Uh, sell 23x to 19. It's going to be a brilliant game. We're all really excited for it. Regardless of what the final outcome is, it's been a fantastic season um, for not just, the, not just the sale fans, but obviously the team as well and their development. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a really exciting one. And uh, it, it's, you know, something that sale fans, you know, just, just think about that those games against London Welsh, you know, eight, nine years ago and how far we'd fallen, and the fact that we're, we're back in this this place is uh, is uh, is something to to behold. Um, and I think you know that that's kind of everything from from a sale next point of view. But much like the sale players, you know, the grind doesn't stop for us podcasters. We're already having to think a little bit about next season. So just to wrap up this week's pod, there's a couple of little bits and pieces we want to want to talk about. Uh, the first, James, is um, some more England internationals for our uh, age grade players. Rafi Quirk and Tom Roebuck named in the uh, England under twenty squad for this summer's games. Um, are you surprised with the that it was only Quirk and Roebuck included, or 
Uh, are you surprised that they they made the cut at all? I mean, what were your thoughts on on that announcement? Well, the truth is, it's just difficult to know on the. Uh, uh, so I thought Gurley was was in and around, but he's actually been picked in the Scottish under twenties. He had been playing age under eighteen group and under twenty group for England, so that was a steal. And Scott, we've got a lot of players in the Scotland under twenty side, um, so it's not just about the England under twenties team. Um, but Roebuck's been around around the block with that side, and uh, he's a senior player in that team now. Uh, and Rafi Quirk, I think the only su- not surprise, but maybe slight half of me disappointment that he was selected in the under twenties, which means he's not going to be going with the senior side for the test matches, uh, which makes me feel that, you know, uh, it's, uh, you know, in terms of England selection, then he's going to have to probably wait until after the World Cup now. But, you know, he's he's only started, what, two games for sale. Um, so it, 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 we will be getting ahead of ourselves. But great, we're going to be able to see him on telly as well. Um, so, and hopefully, you know, he should be a standout player at under-20 level. So it'll be interesting to see how he really... Gen is a general in that team. So well done to them both. Tom Roebuck as well. I mean, he's he, he played two or three times for sale this year. Uh, a couple of good performances. And then his last performance didn't go so well. Doherty was given a chance to redeem himself, has done brilliantly and is now part of the first team squad. I'm sure Tom Roebuck will have that opportunity next year. Um, and uh, good luck to him. I hope he scores loads of tries. Couldn't put it better myself. So, I mean, you know, the future internally at the club is is looking pretty bright. I wanted to, you know, kind of just very quickly cast our eyes to next season as well, Alex. And, and obviously that AJ McGinty injury, we're still waiting confirmation on it, but it sounds from the early reports that it might be a uh, ACL injury that, uh, that AJ suffered. So with that in mind, just very quickly... Going into next season, regardless of what happens at the weekend, do you think there's scope for Sale to, to go out and, and get a, a another fly half to cover Dupree and Wilkinson as a uh, as a short term injury joker? Or, you know, given where we, we are with some of our other young players, do you think this is the time where we should be championing Cameron Wilkinson to make the step up and, and make uh, make the sort of not the number ten jersey zone, but at least the number twenty two jersey. Yeah, I think it's it's time to back Wilkinson. Um I think he's had enough you know, he's not he's no longer the young player he was when we were sort of forcing him into playing European games in um wherever it was, Bordeaux and, and um Perpignan. And he did really well in those games and he acquitted himself really well. So he's clearly got the talent to be at this level and I think it is if if an injury to AJ means he gets that exposure, I don't think that's any bad thing. You know, um, there's, it's the only way he's going to improve and, and get that exposure. And I think if you bring in someone, you risk kind of having too many fly halves, which is not a problem I ever thought we'd have, given where we were <laughs> playing Sam James at ten and Faf at ten um, back in the day. So no, I, I'm I'm all for bringing Kieran Wilkinson on as a as a 22, you know, you look at what Quinns have done with Marcus Smith and, and it's sort of, if you're forced into that hand, it, it goes one or two ways, but I don't think, I think if you're confident enough in the player's talent, which I think we should be, then it's time to give them the opportunity and it'll be a bit of a return to the diamond era of, you know, you, you're old enough, you're good enough, you play him because there's no one else. And, and actually that's done pretty good things for the 
premiership careers at least of a lot of sale players who are in making the up the backbone of the squad now. Absolutely. Um, so we'll keep a we'll, you know we'll keep a close eye on the AJ injury front and obviously what might happen um, to the squad off the back of it going into the beginning of next season. Um, and, and finally, the, the last point on this week's pod is that there's obviously been a little bit more talk than usual uh, about what our 21-22 squad is going to look like. And James, I just wanted to get your thoughts very briefly on on two names in the front row that have been very heavily linked with Sale in the last couple of weeks in particular. And that's Nick Shonner at, uh, at Worcester, the rugby paper reporting that Sale have signed um, the Worcester Warriors uh, tight head on a uh, on a three year deal, and Simon McIntyre, the uh, the loose head prop at Wasps, obviously formerly of the Sale Academy, who was announced last week, is going to be uh, leaving Wasps at the end of the current season. Um, any thoughts on the potential signing of of those two players and what they might bring to the squad? I think they'll both be excellent because they're both English qualified. They've both got many over well over a hundred games in the Premiership. So they're very seasoned campaigners. Um, they're also both recognised for their scrummaging. Simon McIntyre, when he left Sale, was like a young tight head, but was converted him to a loose head and is solid and quite dynamic in, in the scrum. His issue has been the last 18 months where he hasn't been able to stay fit. Uh, Sean has a really good um, injury record. Um, played a lot of games to Worcester, very rarely gets injured, locks down the scrum. Maybe not so mobile around the park, but therefore, you know, he's a Griff John replacement. I say that's ideal, and he's he's English qualified, uh, and with his South African roots, fits fits that bill as well. Um, and Simon McIntyre, obviously, if he's moving to come a bit closer to home. We get the academy credits for him um, if we can get him fit. You know, in terms of a backup for Harrison and Rod, I think that would be fantastic if we can keep him fit because he's he's still only thirty, so you know, you could potentially get three seasons out of him. Same with Shonnet. Well, regardless of what happens this weekend or over the summer or into next season, you know, we'll still be here talking about anything and everything sale. Um, so thank you massively to everybody uh, who's listened to the pod this week, last week, earlier in the season. Thank you to everyone uh, who supports the podcast on Patreon. If you're not already on there, uh, please do consider supporting us via that method. Uh, last week, we published our reaction to the uh, South African squad and, and chatted about a few of the exciting names that uh, that the Lions will be taking on as part of this summer's series. Um, and we've got some and we've got some stuff coming up regarding uh, some of the other academy talent that's coming through this, the uh, the Shark system at the moment. Um, so you can sound as clued up as James does when you're talking about 18 year olds and 19 year olds who are going to star for England or Scotland, as the case may be. Um, but that's the show for this week. Um, and I want to say, you know, as always, big thank you to Alex and James for joining me. And I'll open the floor to you guys. Anything else you you want to cover off as part of uh, our goodbye to our listeners? No, just I'm looking forward to doing the academy thing and I didn't get a chance to answer the question you, you asked to Alex, but we've also got Tom Curtis coming through at 10 as well. So I think we you've got to, got to back him with Wilkerson turning 23 next year. We need to find out where he's good enough. So uh, thank you so much to all of our listeners. There's plenty more content coming. If you want to hear more about the Kieran Wilkerson's and Tom Curtis, get yourself on Patreon. We'll be doing other specials around the Lions tours uh, as much as we can as well. And of course, the other internationals over the summer involving the, the home nations as well and the under-20s. So uh, thank you so much for sticking with us. It feels like a longer season, this one. 
but we really enjoy what we do because you know we know there's more than one man and his dog listening uh listening to us and interacting us with you know with us on twitter etc and we we really enjoy that so thank you everybody couldn't have put it better myself enjoy the weekend and we will speak to you next week